This is Hitting the Mark, conversations with founders and investors about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success, with your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Garhalter. Yeah, brand advice. I I think definitely what you just touched on uh, about the... um, the brand strategy, the, the vision, the mission, all of those items, having those front and center before getting to a pretty design, uh, 100% agree because it really um, narrows the, uh, I guess, the s- scope uh, and array of options that you will be presented with when coming to kind of that first wave of, of designs, which is exciting. But I think what you just touched on um, is is something that I wish we probably would have spent more time on uh, in in the beginning. Um, to, to get to our, our brand that became the face of the company and the face of the products and, and so on. So spending more time up front, I think, and uh, you know, unfortunately it can be expensive, but I think it's one of those investments that just has to be done. Um, the sooner the better. This was Cole Orobes, who founded Alpha Foods five years ago and is currently the CEO and CFO of the Healthy Frozen Meal brand that can be found in over 9,000 stores in North America and Asia, where their plant-based alpha chicken nuggets are available at, wait for it, KFC. That's right. If that is not a testament for their product, I'm not sure what would be. Cole and I talk about how a blizzard and a vegan bagel dog got him into the business, why he had to rename his brand for the Chinese market, how familiarity is key to convincing meat eaters to try plant-based varieties of their favorite foods, and how it took them hundreds of logos and four creative agencies to arrive at their very first logo, all because the brand strategy phase was missing up front. Before we dive in, head on over to patreon.com slash hitting the mark to learn about how you can show your support for this show so we can keep it advertising free. If you're not able to show your financial support, just give it a quick rating wherever you listen to podcasts. I would really appreciate it. And now over to my conversation with Cole. Welcome to the show, Cole. Hi, hi, Fabian. Great to be here. Absolutely. Good to have you. So Earlier this year, you completed a $28 million funding round. Um, your plant-based frozen meals are hard to miss in the U.S., where you are in over 9,000 stores, I believe, but, but now it, it might even be more. Um, how has this bizarre year of people hoarding food and supply chain issues across the, the industries, how, how, is, how is this treated Alpha Foods? How are you guys hanging in there? Yeah, well... We did, uh, the timing was really fortuitous for us to have closed that round basically uh, January, February, right before COVID really uh, changed the landscape of everything. And so we had, uh, you know, we had raised the money to execute on a 2020 business plan. And when things started to shut down in in March, um, we took a a bit of a step back to just survey the landscape and... um, Really, what we saw was uh, a huge surge in people uh, purchasing the products, loading their freezers. There was some scarcity mentality, obviously. Um, people didn't want to be left with no food products uh, to, to feed their families. So uh, we definitely saw a huge spike in sales for the first few weeks. Um, and we were very fortunate as well to have a, a rock-solid supply chain. 
and, and great uh, manufacturing partners, so didn't have any supply disruptions to speak of. Um, but one of the interesting things that, uh, that we saw occurring was the consumer being homebound for more meal occasions, uh, and we had just more opportunity to uh, reach out to them, connect with them, uh, just in a, in a different in a different way that, that we had before. Um, so really, that was a, a big game changer for us. And we did evolve our, our marketing messaging, um, our content creation to be a lot more interactive. And uh, we saw a, a really great um, response from our consumers who were engaging with us digitally. And uh, so far, um, to this point, I guess, we're, we're coming into September, uh, things are, are still going really well for us. and. I think the, the awareness that plant protein uh, meal solutions and options are um, a great viable alternative to their meat counterpart, I think that that has resonated with more and more consumers uh, over the last few months than perhaps it had previously. Which makes so much sense. And, and first of all, I'm happy to hear that. Uh, I assumed that things things would be going pretty well for you um, during during this um during this strange um, situation that we're we're all in jointly, but it, it it is really fascinating to think about how people are actually interacting with your brand more now. And the reason why I say fascinating because I recorded a lot of founders over the last half year, and none of them actually mentioned that. But it makes a lot of sense because people are at home; they actually spend more time with products um, just because they're stuck and they start falling in love with some product and they start to actually, um, you know, get to know new products and then engage with them. So this is mainly uh, via via various social channels, I assume, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Instagram would be number one, but we've also seen an uptick in uh, Pinterest and as well as uh, Facebook groups, uh, for sure. And I, I think that uh, that would be uh, pretty common across most, if not all brands uh, in, sure. the, in the consumer space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I did hear that, um, and I don't know where I heard that, but that you either planned on or that you actually did expand into Asia. And I believe that Hong Kong was one of the places um, that obviously must have changed or did it or how did that go? Yeah, so we launched there last year uh, in food service and retail, and it's been slowly building in Hong Kong, um, as well as uh, five other countries uh, in Asia. Um Really, the only thing that slowed down was the food service side, just because people were not really going out to um, to restaurants and, and other places, kind of quick serve. Um, but generally speaking, we've been very strong uh, in in Asia, starting with Hong Kong, uh, down to Singapore, Taiwan, uh, Thailand, and uh, mainland China. And one of the the exciting things for us was uh, the partnership with KFC in Hong Kong uh, with our Alpha Chicken Nugget. And, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, that was really exciting. And so that did still uh, take place and launch successfully, um, even though COVID had obviously changed the landscape and it, it clearly had hit in, in Asia first before North America. But um, that didn't, uh, it, it may have delayed it by a, a month or two. I'm not sure the, the exact kind of time delay effect, but it did. Uh, launch at the very end of June and is uh, is still ongoing. That is, I mean, that is that is quite a compliment for your plant based uh, um, chicken, right? Because they take they take their fried chicken pretty seriously over there. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> they they definitely do, and we were we were thrilled to hear that they had uh, selected our nugget for 
uh, the test, and we know that um, it's it's been selling very well. So we're we're hoping that that's just the beginning with uh, KFC and and are looking at other products and other regions right now, specifically around the chicken platform to move forward with. Which is pretty new for you, right? But yeah, the Nuggets uh, launched about a year and a half ago at retail in uh, in the U.S., and so it's still early innings for the Nugget here in the U.S. But it it has clearly become our hero product uh, of the entire lineup. We've got twenty eight retail products, but that one by far is receiving the most fanfare, and we think that it's got the you know, the biggest potential out of all the products in our product lineup right now. Well, and just to talk about, you know, being fairly new, the entire company is only five years old. <laughs> so, I mean, congratulations. That's an amazing lineup of SKUs um, after such a short time. Yeah, thank you. We're, we're going to be coming up to our fifth birthday sometime at the end of this year. So it's been, uh, we, we've definitely um, covered a lot of ground in, in a short period of time, that's for sure. So this is maybe this is maybe the anniversary podcast episode because this will air at the end of the year. So I'm I'm a little ahead <laughs> of time right now when we there record is. this in August. Okay. <laughs> but, um, sure. But um, let, let's talk about Asia for 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 one more second because I think it's fascinating from from a design and branding uh, packaging perspective. Um, since you you're also on the shelves there, how did the brand have to adjust for that completely different consumer mindset, or or did it? Uh, that's a that's a great question, and uh, obviously there are kind of language and cultural barriers and considerations that me personally I don't have um, I don't I can't add a lot of credibility to what may or may not resonate in a language that I, I don't speak or in a in a country um, that I don't live in. But we have partners on the ground there that uh, were able to. Um, take our, our base brand product and package and uh, include it in a standard retail uh, array of, of all, uh, I guess, USA spec packaging. Um, so we didn't actually change the look in the face of, of the package for the initial launch of any of the products. Um, but the what we can see is when we get updates on the marketing side on what our partners are doing there at retail and food services, it's clearly it clearly has evolved to... Um, be a message that resonates with those that uh, speak Mandarin and 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 live, you know, in in the regions. And uh, one final thing I, I will say on that as well is that we are going to be doing a, a China-specific package, um, probably launching towards the end of end of 2020 or early Q1, uh, with a with a name that's been developed um, that resonates with. Uh, with a, a Chinese consumer in mind, uh, because there is no direct translation um, of, you know, when you put our, our brand name with the product name, uh, they don't always fit and go together or make sense. Yeah. So I think, you know, there, there's been a number of companies that have learned that the hard way over time, um, that you, you probably just can't do a direct translation into every language you want to um, uh, put on your package. And so we've been very uh, thoughtful about how we uh, approach the the launch um, in a package that is not USA spec, but they do uh, sell all English label USA spec packaging of our products and others right now in many of the retail shelves. But uh, clearly, there is a, an opportunity to probably probably connect with um, consumers who want a, a local language uh, packaging that they're on, on the shelf or, or in their freezer. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, going 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 all the way back um, on your on your website, there is an our story section, um, but it is really not not as much of the heartfelt founding story than than a mission or a purpose statement, which in itself is very important. But I I did hear that the actual founding story is quite interesting as well. I think it involves a blizzard and a plant based bagel dog. <laughs> how, how, how did how did Alpha Food start, and and what is what is your personal background? Uh, you know, professional background coming into this sure no you, you've got the two uh, points the blizzard and the bagel dog uh, <laughs> bang on um yeah so a, a bit of a, a background on, on myself uh born and raised in in canada and mostly grew up in calgary alberta which is, is kind of like the texas of canada <laughs> and um really grew up uh eating animal products every day of my life without question that's just what was put on my plate that's just what we ate and so um that's kind of the you know, the background of, um, you know, how I, how I grew up uh, and in relation to food. And I, I ended up going through the professional accounting program with Ernst & Young and landed um, in a venture capital role in 2010. And that's where I got my start in food and beverage. Uh, we invested in food and agriculture technology. And uh, during that time period, we, we saw a ton of different brands and companies um, grow and flourish and and also make mistakes along the way so that it was a really valuable uh, learning experience for for many reasons and to also see that the great success stories as well and there were a number of those uh, along the way um, but one of the entrepreneurs that I had met uh, during uh, that time uh, Lauren Wallace uh, was the founder and CEO of Good Karma Foods and uh, we were um, in discussions uh, for a funding round um, from our fund to to Good Karma and uh, didn't end up completing the transaction together. There was just a better deal on the table, but we stayed in touch uh, kind of professionally and, and as friends. And uh, the, the Blizzard and Bagel Dog story uh, <laughs> is uh, he, he reached out to me in, in 2015. He said, hey, man, I've got a product concept for you. It's plant-based, and he's a, a lifelong or a nearly lifelong vegan. And I said, okay, send it up. Um, I thought to myself it would tastes like sadness. It's made from plants. There's, <laughs> there's, there's no way that I, I will like this. So anyways, the FedEx arrived. I threw these things in the freezer. And yes, they were a vegan uh, bagel dog. So just a, a vegan hot dog wrapped in a, in a bagel dough. <laughs> and so, yeah, so in the freezer they went and uh, I went traveling for a couple of weeks, I think, and came back and uh, did come back to the, you know, the first, um, first part of winter and this this nasty blizzard hit uh, Calgary, and it was dinner time. I had <laughs> I had nothing to eat in my house except for frozen berries, and I didn't want those. It was cold, and and so I said, "Well, if I can't get out of the house, I need to eat something." So I'm going to try this bagel dog, and uh, I I tossed it in the oven and and loaded it up with whatever I could find in my fridge, and uh, I absolutely loved it. I, I just devoured this thing. It was so good. It didn't taste and like was, sadness after all. It, no, that was not the main <laughs> ingredient. That's right. It was, it was actually quite delightful. And the light bulb went off for me, which was if, if me as a, as a meat eater, and, and at that point I had been starting to reduce my meat consumption considerably, uh, just for some personal health reasons. And, uh, but it was still tough to find something I could get excited about. And so that, you know, that aha moment was, well, if I can enjoy this product and love it and crave it, then there's got to be hundreds of millions of other people out there that, you know, will have the same experience. And so that was really 
uh, kind of the genesis of, of how Alpha came to be. And uh, a few months later, uh, Lauren and I um, had uh, had started the journey of, um, of Alpha. I think it was February 2016 when we got going. And uh, really, our vision was to build a, a you know a, a globally relevant plant protein company um, that could bring delicious products to the plates of meat eaters who were looking for a delicious plant-based option, but perhaps you know weren't excited, or um, perhaps they they didn't know what they didn't know about plant-based eating. And so, you know, kind of the the first wave of products that we had uh, created and launched were to be convenient, and they had to be delicious, and they had to be made out of plants. And that was kind of the you know the three north stars of our our first lineup of burritos that uh, launched at Walmart in in 2017. Not a bad place to launch. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I talked. Yeah. I talked with uh, with Chris Kerr um, the day after Beyond Meat went public, and he was he was a key investor from day one with the company. And that uh-huh. brand went into the same direction um, by by being able to actually place their patties in the meat aisle of markets of the frozen food uh, aisle, right? Which was a huge win for them, but I'm I'm sure also for the for the meatless community as a whole because I feel that that catering to Basically, meat eaters is really, really difficult as, as you know, because everyone comes in um, with with your attitude, right? Where you would only eat it if you're stuck in a blizzard. Um, <laughs> I mean, how do you how do you how do you convince people? I mean, is it just tons of samples, you know, at at, at stores, or is is sampling the way to go? Or what was that journey like to convince people? No, it's it's a, it is really the the million dollar question is uh, the of the entire consumer population that is open to eating something other than meat. I think it's about 90%. I, I'm sure the numbers have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do you, how do you get their attention and how do you convince them that it's safe to try and that they won't be disappointed? And I, I know that every plant-based company out there is, is asking the same question. They have their own um, take on it. But to, to address your question, the uh, absolutely tasting is believing and getting product samples in front of people ensuring they're prepared properly and it is really the 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 first step and also they have to um be open to the idea that you know it it could also it could be delicious and not be made of what they they think it's typically made of and um funny enough uh, some of our earliest investors are um you know the kind of the biggest carnivores that I have ever met, but they, they came in to the opportunity uh, after having tried some of the early product samples and they were on their own journey of, uh, the doctors told them that they, they had to reduce their meat consumption for uh, various reasons. Mm-hmm. And so, so that, that is really the first step for, in my opinion, is the awareness. Okay. I need to eat less meat. I I think I can eat plant-based protein, but I don't know what's out there. Uh, it's it's a whole new world, and that's where I was a number of years ago. And so I think that where where Alpha sits is where that kind of transitional brand um, by making making plants easy to consume, to prepare, and enjoyable. It it takes the edge off of that kind of extreme lifestyle shift that some may think that you have to make uh, to go um, or to 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 move and evolve into a, a more plant-centric diet. 
Well, and I'm almost certain that one of the best marketing um, tricks uh, to happen to the plant-based industry was um, the virus and the quarantine. <laughs> I mean, quite frankly, if you yeah. have to eat three meals a day, which, you know, those of us who are, who are lucky in the Western world... Um, you know, you, I mean, at some point, you just run out of options and you don't want to see meat anymore, right? I mean, even if you're a 100% meat eater, at some point, being at home, you're just, you know, and, and you don't want to cook anymore either. So at some point, just finding a product like yours is most probably pretty logical that that would happen. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And another factor, too, is that there were empty... Um, refrigerated coolers that used, used to have chicken and beef and pork and, right. and turkey and all the, the meat that people would use, be used to seeing. And so I think it was a combination of, yes, being homebound, cooking all your meals um, from morning to night in your house, but also going to the grocery store for that, uh, you know, potentially nerve-wracking grocery run during yep. a, a pandemic when there's a risk of being you know, sick or, or whatever and going to your usual meat cooler and not finding the steak or the burgers that you used to buy. And so, uh, you know, with the awareness that the virus had actually had a, uh, a really um, big impact in kind of the meat packing plants, uh, it, there started to, to be a number of, um, I guess, sources of information or these kind of proof points that something is going on with meat. I can't buy it. These people are getting right. sick that are working in the plants. Yep. And maybe I should be aware of something different. Um, and I think that that also had a, a big impact on the, um, you know, the consumer awareness and appetite for plant-based protein as an alternative source. And and you're right, eating three meals a day with you know all this kind of the same um, animal proteins cooked in this you know the same kitchen can probably get a little monotonous. And I think you know our especially Alpha's uh, broad lineup of both prepared meals, solutions, and ingredients, it, it became a, a great um, uh, brand to uh, connect with for some of those consumers that were just looking for something different. Because it's easy. It, it, it's not only easy, it's also very approachable, right? Because you have the burrito, you have the pizza. You, you know, I mean, you have staples that people understand. Um, so it, it's, not, yeah. it's not like they go into a garden patty that's called garden patty. You know, it's For, like, no, right. it's your, here's your crispy chicken patty. It just doesn't, yeah. isn't chicken, you know? Yeah. And, and that is, is really, again, kind of the essence of the, the alpha brand and DNA is, is those familiar products, uh, familiar formats, uh, familiar flavors that people had probably tried or, or see on a, on a daily basis in restaurants and, and other places they go. So it just happens to be made out of plants. And so that takes the scariness factor um, out, of, out of trying plant-based if they've, if they've never tried it before. And then the, you know, everyone's eaten, a, well, not everybody, but many people have eaten burritos. I think everyone knows what a, what a pizza is. Um, so you're absolutely right. And, and chicken nuggets as well. Those are kind of staples, uh, I would say, most people are pretty, pretty familiar with. 
I think the 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 idea of the brand DNA potentially or the DNA of the company being being around familiarity is really really interesting because I tried to put my finger on it um, because you know the way that you name the the product it's very in your face right the, the alpha burrito you know the alpha chicken wings um, but also the packaging you know it's it's it, it's black it 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 basically fits into the typical freezer you know product it's you know there, there's something about the familiarity which I always wondered how much does it pop out how much does stand out but that is all strategic um to actually to actually make it feel more familiar it's really interesting how did how did the name come about alpha i mean alpha has a lot of connotations right an alpha person alpha in religious settings i mean there's plenty of uh connotations but how did it come about yeah another uh another story i guess with some some roots that were prior to us actually starting the company and it really stemmed from the actual um, vegan hot dog inside that bagel dog, uh, which was the the vision was that would be the best plant based hot dog out there, and um, Alpha is another name for the best or the top, and we happened to have a hot dog at that time, and so the Alpha dog uh, gave rise to Alpha Foods, and that's <laughs> really how we how we view the uh, the products and the brand is is kind of best in class and a leader for. Um, taste, texture, uh, eating experience, and just an enjoyment factor of, of the food product. Well, and it says a lot about uh, you as a brand too, maybe subliminally, because the alpha kid always gets the food. <laughs> so <laughs> right. you're, you're the one who's just <laughs> rising to the top. <laughs> That's right. You got it. <laughs> um, let's, talk, let's talk about the importance of branding for, for a little while here. Um, the alpha logotype uh, plays a very central point in your identity, even on the packaging. Alpha leads the product, as I already talked about, right? The alpha nugget, the alpha burger. Um, and... Not only are you the co-founder, president, and CFO, and maybe a lot of other things too, of, of a fast-growing CPG company, but you're also a founding member of the Angel Group, which is an angel investor group that you and I talked offline a little bit about before the podcast, um, for early-stage CPG brands that invest... Um, in, that invests in brands that are already on the shelves. So branding for you um, must play a crucial role in your professional life. W what does branding mean to you, being in the CPG space? What does it mean to you? Well, I think to me it's, it's how I relate to the products and connect with the, the company, the products, and I guess uh, values at a, at a deeper level or um, I guess how I might think about um, a company or a product when I'm not potentially using it and uh, it has that kind of stickiness factor in uh, in mind um, for alpha we wanted to create uh, a really inviting brand and message to our consumers that that plant-based was approachable and not scary and that they didn't have to make uh, extreme lifestyle shifts to enjoy the product and I think that um, you know that's really how we're in a position for success uh, as a bit of a, a d disruptive brand um, making plant-based easy and enjoyable um, for, for people to substitute and, and, and ditch their, their meat products. How important was data to you in the beginning? Um, I mean, did you, were, were you a very data-oriented company um, or, you know, did, did you even sometimes go against um, early customer data and you launched something that, that you weren't sure people would actually resonate with? Yeah, I, I wish we, we had more time and resources in our early days to focus on, on data. And, and that's, uh, that's the honest answer is, is consumer data is very expensive. 
expensive yeah. and it's it's time consuming to to capture so there was you know there was there's definitely enough data out there to give us direction on consumer preferences on um, where the market is going the plant-based sector kind of heating up a uh, fairly high level um, and you know we could triangulate a number of uh, you know pieces of data from the market as well as some you know consumer feedback on early products to to really refine our, our product mix and kind of our early uh, platform of, of products. Um, and then th there's some element of just a, a gut feel for certain um, opportunities and, and products to develop that uh, we had to have and have some conviction uh, that you're, you're not always going to have 100% of the data you need to make perfect decisions based on uh, you know those kinds of uh, facts. I, I wish we could, and, and we still don't. It, it, it's, everything is moving, and especially during COVID, um, there's a, a whole slew of data sets and consumer preferences that have changed, um, and probably permanently. So, it uh, in our early days, we definitely, um, you know, we definitely used some kind of directional intelligence and data, but not, uh, you know, we didn't have a, a kind of a perfect data set to to make those. Um, exhaustive decisions with which which is fascinating because data is so important um to to vcs and you coming from that background and now having um <laughs> having made it through the first five years of running a startup yourself and and seeing the growth and seeing the hurdles um and the typical startup fails i'm sure that go along with it um because it ain't easy you know regardless if you already have a product and you've got the perfect experience it's still not easy has that experience changed the way that you invest in companies now uh, I think a little bit, and I would say for early stage investing, angel stage, um, before you get to the the growth stage of a company and, and looking at um, investing in you know kind of past proof of concept, it I guess for me it would boil down to uh, a few things, which is the management team, um, you know th the product itself and the sector, and mm -hmm. if you have directional. Uh, intelligence and you know the, the sector itself is doing well well there's an opportunity there if the product seems to have a have a, a fit or, or um, address a consumer need state without extensive data that's great does it does it taste great if we're talking about a food or beverage product and then the team um, is the team capable and so I think those three factors would would get me through, uh, I guess, an angel or an early stage investment decision more so than data, because in the early stages um, there's a there's a time factor and yeah. kind of an execution factor, and that really you know is mostly driven by the team. And if they have a, a, a product in the right sector, um, you kind of have to give uh, give that those three factors an opportunity to get to the point where they are uncovering data or potentially paying for it or obtaining it to um, kind of further refine the, um, the the next phase or next stage of the company. Because you're right, data becomes more and more important as, uh, as companies grow up. It, uh, it, it drives um, a lot of the decision-making resource allocation where uh, companies will and will not invest um, and also to refine product mix for products on, on the shelf that may be doing better or worse than than a benchmark. So it becomes much more and more important in kind of, I would say that growth stage. Uh, but in early stage, it's, it's really tough to make decisions based solely on data. 
Right, right. I can see that. Absolutely. Looking looking back at Alpha Foods, um, I, I know you mentioned that um, that that you got into Walmart pretty early on. But what was that one big breakthrough moment where you felt like now you're changing from being a, a startup and you're actually turning into a brand? Like, when did you feel that? I mean, that that this may or may not be directly linked to sales figures, right? But when was that moment where you just, you know, looked at your business partner and you're like high-fiving and you're like, I think we just made it to that step? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, well, I guess looking back, um, I don't think there's any single moment in time because there've been so many. There's there's so many kind of wins and great moments on a you know daily, weekly, monthly uh, basis, and we've really been building this brand um, kind of brick by brick and consumer by consumer. Uh, so getting definitely getting kind of three straight years of distribution expansion. Looking back at the end of each year, and it's been a you know one of those kind of proud moments. Um, but I, w- I would say the you know the overseas expansion and the KFC partnership uh, was really um, monumental and validating for us. Uh, we had clearly started in the United States and didn't really have any ambitions to to be global or international. Um, you know until we had had really ironed things out in in the U.S. and done a great job. and And uh, it just so happened that the opportunity to sell um, you know, into to Asia with a partner on the ground, uh, Green Monday. Um, it, it came along and we pursued that. And, uh, you know, a number of uh, months later, um, we had landed uh, in, in a KFC. And that was really <laughs> cool to, to see the, um, the press and the images and the excitement factor of a product that had uh, been developed here uh, you know, quite some time ago. So, um, yeah, I would say that that was definitely one of those uh, highlight moments for us. And I love how you started this with there's a there's a highlight every day, every week, every month. Um, that's the founder spirit. That's the only way to get through it because there's gonna be there's gonna be tons, tons of fails along the way as well. And 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 I always love to at least talk about this a little bit because I think it's inspirational um, for for other founders to hear about the road not always being you know perfectly smooth. Um, I I know I talked to Stacy of Stacy's Pita Chips about this, and she had so many answers to this question. Um, and and I love to to keep this question definitely for for my cpg um uh you know founders that i interview what was was there a ginormous brand fail that you went through because i know with packaging a lot can go wrong right um with translations with um you know how things get cropped or um you know even even having a food product so much can go wrong was there anything on the brand level where you felt like oh that was a big faux pas and maybe i should bring this up because others can learn from it (laughs) Uh, Not to put you on the spot, but definitely putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I would say not one gigantic uh, brand fail, just a you know just dozens and probably hundreds of small ones. And I, because <laughs> uh, the the consumers obviously only see kind of the finished product, but what what came before, um, you know, what appears on a package uh, can be very challenging. And and before we got to our first logo. And kind of look and feel of the first package. Uh, we went through four agencies and must have seen over a hundred different versions of our of our logo oh, wow. um, concepts. And there was at one point it looked like we were going to be a space company, sending things <laughs> into space. And it just it was really, you know, there there was a time factor for us. There's pressure on us to put this brand together, and we wanted to go out and sell it. But we just couldn't um, find a 
an, an agency or, or the you know, creative spark to get us to that, that place where we were really happy with a design that could be on a, a website or a, a consumer facing package. So the initial uh, logo and design was challenging. And I think one of the uh, other moments that, that sticks out was when we printed our first um, commercial run of the burritos that were going to Walmart, um, we had the word vegan on the front of the package. And it's true, we are a, a vegan food company. We typically use the, the, coin, uh, the term plant-based instead of vegan, mm-hmm. and, but it, it is a vegan product. And uh, we were so proud of the burritos that came off the line and they were going into Walmart, our first customer, and consumers were going to buy it and love it. And uh, I think it was not even a week after we um, kind of got those out the door, did we see a, a study come out? I think it was John Hopkins University that said, "Don't use the word vegan. It means <laughs> it means it means poor taste, and it means that it's less healthy to consumers, according to this survey." And yeah. <laughs> so we thought, "Oh, damn!" So so now we have to go back and spend more money on redesign and change the plates, and garbage the packaging, and just be okay with those products that are in the marketplace and um so i can't i can't recall what we we swapped it for but it, it got yanked and got put on the on the back and we are certified vegan now but it's just not something that um uh, apparently according to uh studies and, and and surveys and things it's just not something you want on the front panel so that that was more of a funny um you know just little road bump uh speed bump along the way and we we evolved from that pretty quickly well, and talking about the power of branding, right? The word the, the the word vegan has been branded and mislabeled for such a long time that it now stands for something, right? And if I read vegan, even in 2020, I am still a little bit more, um, you know, held back than if I if I read plant based. And I think that too is because of branding, right? Because plant based mm-hmm. that's, that's beyond me. That's impossible. That's a lot of other brands that kind of started celebrating that word. Um, it is it is amazing what 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 a word can do. <laughs> so. oh, yeah, that's that's a, that's a great point. And I think that the word vegan can unfortunately bring up, um, I, I guess. Uh, uh, extreme lifestyle change or choice for certain consumers who may think it's just a bad word and may may not um, really understand what it means. Um, So the the, the term plant-based is um, really the, you know, it's made it safe for for people to explore and enjoy food products that are the same thing as vegan, uh, but just a different word. Well, and anyone had vegan food, uh, even as a meat eater, and that's why it took you a blizzard for you to try it again, <laughs> because it has it has changed a lot in the last, that's right. you know, five ten years. So, and and there's one thing that I would like to add to what you have um, said before about going rounds and rounds and hundreds of designs with agencies until you actually found found finally that right design. Um, I think one important step is to really, in the beginning, look at the brand strategy to really define. What is the brand? What does it stand for? What is the mission? What is the vision? What is the positioning in the marketplace? What is all of that um, together with the agency so that they can actually then derive something? And I think that happens a lot in startups that that is either not being taken seriously on the agency side or, you know, it's just there's no time from the founder side because you just need a good design and you need it now. Um, and I think that is that is a step uh, that for, for, for founders, in my eyes, is extremely important as I work with founders uh, on, on, on creating the brand because at that point, they can 
can't they can't say I like this or I don't like this, but it's like does this go back to our plan? Is this is this great for our customer? Would they love it? Right? There's kind of like this this fictitious third person that can look at the design during the process, and uh, and that's usually the customer, right? And that's what that's what we need to focus on. So. Um, I wanted to put this in there. Is there is there any piece of brand advice from your end for for founders as a takeaway um, as we're slowly coming coming to an end here? Um, anything that you learned over the over the years where you would you would say, look, this is this is something that I know about branding, maybe specifically for CPG products or or elsewise. Yeah, brand advice. I, I think definitely what you just touched on uh, about the. Um, the brand strategy, the, the vision, the mission, all of those items, having those front and center before getting to a pretty design, uh, 100% agree because it really um, narrows the, uh, I guess, the scope uh, and array of options that you will be presented with when coming to kind of that first wave of, of designs, which is exciting. But I think what you just touched on um, is, is something that I wish we probably would have spent more time on uh, in, in the beginning. Um, to, to get to our, our brand that became the face of the company and the face of the products and, and so on. So spending more time up front, I think, and you know, unfortunately it can be expensive, but I think it's one of those investments that just has to be done. Um, the sooner the better. And, and also I think that, um, you know, there's definitely uh, an interesting shift that's happened um, through COVID with the, the retailers where they, um, they may not want to bring on brands that appear to be um, too risky because of potential supply chain disruptions and things. But I think also for for founders and those developing a food brand, um, there's a there's a bit of a bit of a kind of a fake until you make it um, mindset that that you need to put something innovative and cool and fresh in front of a retailer and really um, you know act like a like like a grown up company to to get that shelf placement because they will. They do need to offer new products and in innovation for their um, their consumers, um, and so I think that that's something that uh, that brands and founders should be scared of is really swing for the fences and, and bring kind of the best foot forward, even though um, you know the company might be small and, and still getting uh, on its feet. Great, great, great takeaway. Um, Listeners who's, who'd like to uh, get a taste for your plant-based meals, where can they find Alpha Foods? I guess 9,000 plus stores. So there's a pretty good chance they will find it. <laughs> yeah, that, I'd say that's a, that's a, a pretty big number of places to, to buy physically. Um, <laughs> you, you, can, you can go onto our website. There's a store locator on uh, eatalphafoods.com. Uh, so type in a, a zip code and uh, there's definitely stores that will pop up. And we're also actually... Um, going to be selling online uh, through our website as well um, that will be um, a, a great way to get products directly to the door that may not be all available at the same location because uh, that's one of the um, pieces of feedback we get is not all products are available at every store mm -hmm. but many of them so uh, being able to purchase online where um, you know many consumers are going now is important so we invested in our, our kind of direct-to-consumer um, business great Great. Good. Good move. Good move. Well, I invite everyone to check that out. And, and thank you, Cole, for having been on the show. It was, it, was, it was a real pleasure to have you on. Yeah, likewise. Thanks, Fabian. I appreciate you having us. Absolutely. 
call of Alpha Foods. I do frequently feature food company founders, mainly because it is so easy for everyone listening to relate to their brands from a consumer point of view, but also because food is such a competitive and always changing field. I hope you enjoyed our time together. If you have, please consider joining us at patreon.com slash hitting the mark. It is a very special community that I feel blessed to be a part of and to be mentoring on monthly calls. Hitting the Mark is produced by my consultancy, Finian, where we create clarity for brand transformations. This episode was edited by Everett Barton, and the Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time, when we once again will be hitting the mark.